Amen. If you would, I want you to give a big hand to Steve as he comes. I think he's going to let Kelly come and testify. I think. Yeah, he is. Okay. <laughs> give him a big hand, would you, as they come now? We love them. We're so very thankful to be here today, to be with y'all and to be with, with uh, Sister Debbie and Brother Rick. Hope the Lord blesses you through our testimony and, and through his word. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good to see you here this morning. I love you, Kelly. Amen. May the 7th, 1988. I had a blind date. I made a phone call to a man named David Jocelyn, who became my father-in-law, asked him if I could speak to his daughter, ask her for a date, Went to the house. I had been in the University of Central Arkansas for four, over four years. The University of Central Arkansas is about, it's almost in the back door of where my wife lived. And we lived less than a mile from each other over the course of about four years, and we had never met. I'm out of school. I'm working. My best friend in college had a tax class, tax, they were accountants, tax class with Kelly. And uh, she said, don't you know any good, godly Christian men? He said, yeah, and uh, called me, and that's what prompted me to make the phone call. I was working, drove up to the house, knocked on the door. She was not ready. Sat there. I, when I saw her, I was speechless. I generally always have something to say. I spent 30 years in sales. Stumbled in the door, stunned by her. Came down the hall, got me, and we left. And it was, it was like we had always known each other. Her dad was a preacher. Mine was a preacher. Five months later, October the 1st, 1988, we were married and I loved my wife. I have always been faithful to her. But she has always been faithful to me. Because faithfulness matters. I love my family. I love 
the community I live in. I love my grandchildren. I have five grandchildren. Love my children. But most of all, I love my God. And I have not always been faithful to him. But he has always been faithful to me. I want to say special thank you to Brother Rick, Sister Debbie, the whole church for just your love, your generosity, but most of all, the times when we need one another, we can call, and you're there. Brother Rick has been there for me and my family for many years. Thank God for a first service. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I had some things I had to get off of my chest before I could go home. But I brought a message today. I'll take, take you to Matthew chapter 25. NIV reads, at the time, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps and did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready to meet who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. In this text, Jesus gives us the picture concerning his return. We know this and believe this to be the rapture of the church. He does, and when he's speaking, he's speaking to his disciples in the 24th chapter of Matthew. They had asked him about his returning and when it would be. 
You most likely know the 24th chapter, but in the 25th chapter, realize this today. He's speaking to a group of men that are known as Galileans. They're very familiar with Galilee. And he starts with his words, painting a picture of a Galilean wedding. The Galilean wedding was unlike, there were parts of this wedding that are unlike any other wedding. And if you were not in that wedding at the time that it all took place, you did not go into the marriage supper of the Lamb. So when he's speaking to this group of disciples, they understood why and what he was referencing as he referenced the Galilean wedding. No other wedding like this. Within the Galilean wedding, there is a betrothal period. There's the imagery of the bride. There's the imagery of the groom. There is an announcement, and then there's waiting. But mainly there's a picture of anticipation of this great event. In the picture, there's a lot of preparation going on. The preparation will be key to you and I making it in the rapture, in the catching away. And it's critical that you and I are playing an active part in the preparation that precedes his return. Fully prepared is the key. Fully prepared. Not partially prepared. Not kind of prepared. Fully prepared. It's like the question, I love to ask this question, how much unfaithfulness can you tolerate in your marriage? Do not take what I am speaking to you this morning lightly at all. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 The writer writes, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The church is vitally important to you making the rapture. Never dummy down the importance of the church. And the part that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ plays in your 
life. Within this Matthew 25 scene, uh, this is a message. If you're not ready, you're left. Not partially ready, ready, full ready. The bride had to be ready. The wedding party had to be ready. The attendants had to be ready. Tradition says this, that the groom had been within this betrothal period, generally of the uh, space of about one year. He had gone to build a room on his father's house. During this year, the bride, she had been going all over the country finding special material for this special, this special gown that she'll be her attire. And, and over the process of this, there'll be seven ceremonial washings and uh, her attendants will inspect her body. If there's any blemish, they will work on that blemish. Any imperfection had to be carefully attended to. Those who were with her cared for her deeply. They cared so deeply, and they they all stayed so prepared within this betrothal period. They all slept in their wedding garments every night for a year. Simply believing is not faith. Even the, James said, even the devil believes. Faith is actively preparing for his coming. And only those who are actively playing a part will leave when the bridegroom comes. So it's been a year long. They're all waiting. No one knows when this is going to take place except the Father. The Son doesn't know. How would you ladies like this? The bride doesn't know. The attendants don't know. But they have to be ready. And then one night... One special night, the Father, it's been a long time. The Father gets it, gets up in the middle of the night, and he goes into his son, and he wakes his son up in the middle of the night, and he says, it's time. Peter wrote this, 2 Peter 3 and 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. But everyone to come to repentance, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you ought to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed his coming. That day will bring about destruction of the heavens by fire. The elements will burn, will melt in heat. 
But keeping in, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth wherein righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. So everybody's asleep. Everybody, it's the middle of the night. The, the father gets up, goes in, go get your bride. The son grabs his shofar and he blows his shofar. And when he blows it, he wakes everyone up. But only those who have lived actively prepared go out to meet him. The wedding, use your imagination. The wedding party assembles in the middle of the night. The bride, as she comes to the appointed place, there's a chair for her, a chair with two staves or two poles that go through the rings of the bottom of the chair, and the attendants lift her up in the air. And she is carried away, and as they would say, flying to, the, flying to the Father's house. She's lifted up. This is a picture of the church being raptured. And those who are caught up and prepared take part in the marriage supper. The foolish do not live prepared. The foolish, did you notice that there are ten virgins, but five of them are not prepared. The foolish, the foolish do not live prepared, but the wise do. I don't know about you, but by the time I was 18, one time I sat down and I, I accounted for the time that I had spent in church up to 18 years old. Now, you would have to know the story behind that because we had four services a week. We had Saturday night, Sunday morning. We had Sunday school. We had worship service. We went home for lunch. At 6 o'clock, we had youth meeting. At 7 o'clock, we had church. And on a good Friday night, we would drive somewhere for a fellowship meeting. I'm not talking about kind of living for God. I was raised in a culture and by a man of God who believed in actively preparing for the Lord's return. Why did y'all do that, Brother Steve? It's all we knew to do. You have to realize in the time of my life, there wasn't a lot of money. Now we've got money. Do you know, and I'm not talking about here, I'm talking about the world view. Do you know in the world, most people, over 75% of the world is living on $2.15 a day? See, you and I don't grasp that in America because even from the time of when I was being raised, things have changed. But I came to warn you today, 
that if you are not actively prepared, if you're not actively paying a, playing a part in this church, today you ought to write the date down and say, I have to become actively prepared in my life for the Lord's return. Because the foolish will be locked out, separated from God. Hebrews 13, marriage should be honored by all. Is everybody listening? Marriage should be honored by all. I've never seen a day when people have gotten to a place where they don't seem to think that you have to be married. Listen how quiet it is. That's a really good sign. <laughs> marriage should be honored by all. The marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all sexual immorality. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid what mortals can do to me. Anything outside of what I just read is not honorable. Judas hated it that day that that woman came in and started, and she brought this alabaster box of ointment. It was worth a year's wages. And she brought it and she started pouring that on the Lord, anointing the Lord and, and wiping his feet with her hair, washing her, his feet with her tears. She, she's doing, you know what she's doing? She's actively preparing why? Because he's about to go to the cross. There was nothing more greater than she could have spent a year's wages on. But Judas finds an issue with it. She understands something, and she loves him. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. How you give makes all the difference in the world. How you feel about your giving makes all the difference in the world. Don't do it for me because you feel like you have to do it for me. I don't want it. Do it for me because you say I see a value in you. And I value our relationship. We stopped at one of those mini love stations. I wonder why they call that love station. We stopped at the love station. That little girl right there, she's holding. Grandma takes her to the restroom. I go to the restroom. I'm watching, you know, because we're all being careful. We're in foreign territory. And I see them come out of the bathroom, and, I, and I'm marching behind them, you know, 10 paces behind watching Kelly and Joy Beth. And Joy Beth, she sees some little keychains and things, you know. 
And she says, Nana, I want one of these. And Nana said, I don't have any money. I said, they didn't know I was standing behind them. I said, I got money. <laughs> I don't do that because I have to. If you're living and you're calculating and all you can think about is the tithe, you ain't loving. The tithe was under the law. It's a guideline. It's a shadow of something that is, is of good things to come. It's a shadow of something better. And now I look at the tithe and I know where my giving ought to land. But when you look at grace, I say, you need something, I, I can do that. I give with my heart. I'm one of those guys who is, I worked a lot. I preached and worked. Anything they wanted, they got it. My wife was the attendant of that, and a lot of times I wasn't around. Things changed about five years ago for me, and now I, I just pastor the church. Christmas this year came, and I looked at my wife one day and said, did I get you anything for Christmas? <laughs> Raise your hand, all you guilty people in here, just like Brother Steve. I said, did you, I wanted to make sure, according to the budget, you know, that I had gotten my Christmas present, according to the law. She said, yo, yes, I've ordered some oil or something. I don't know. We need oil, I guess. <laughs> Christmas came, and I got to thinking about my wife. And uh, 34 years of marriage, and I thought I need to do something for her. So I started to think about it. This is when you move from the tithe into grace. What I have to pay until what could I do that would bless her. So I thought about it, and she, she comes in from work, and in the evening she puts her stuff down, she changes her clothes, and she goes outside and she walks around and she looks at plants and she grows blueberries and she has fruit trees she's got I think some 18 fruit trees and about 20 something blueberry bushes and she is looking at this uh, every day she comes out and she's got this big white dog it's a great Pyrenees and he walks around with her and they look at the bushes and the plants and she says do you want to go see the bushes and the plants <laughs> well if you know what I'm thinking I've already seen the bushes and the plants 
but sometimes I say, yes, dear. But I got to thinking about how I could bless her. I want everyone to listen. How could I bless her? And I come up with an idea. I'll buy her a greenhouse. Are you with me? I had to think about my gift. $4,800 later, I bought a really nice. I looked at one of those that you could put together for $800. But if you know me, they, you don't want to see me with a screwdriver in my hand. But I thought, if I'm going, listen to me, church, if I'm going to give this gift, it needs to be from my heart. If you could see this greenhouse, now it's full of dirt, plants, flowers, tools, a heater. She's hung Christmas lights in there. Anybody? And it's like she, I'm going like, I, I, I'm going, is she going to move out here? A gift, the grace gift, you'll have to think about it because it's going to come from your heart. Kelly married me. I didn't marry her. You might want to write that down. I asked my wife to marry me. She didn't ask me to marry her. She took my name. I didn't take hers. Did you notice he made an announcement for baptism? To recognize so that the public could recognize that you belong to Jesus Christ? I asked her to marry me. You know what she said? I need a ring. I said, I don't have any money. She said, well, you need to get some. <laughs> I saved up around $600. I believe it was $578 if I were counting. I went to Hawk's Wholesale Jeweler and got a ring. I had a preacher friend of mine visit, was preaching for me a few months back, and he and I were sitting and talking. He said, you and Kelly sure do love each other. You can tell by the conversation when somebody loves one another. And we're older now, and we don't have to say all those fake things we used to have to say. As we have grown in our relationship, sometimes we just sit and eat and we don't say anything. <laughs> because the value of the relationship 
I'll close with this. Tom, would you? Tom was going to sing one more song if he would come. My uh, purpose for coming here wasn't to just simply to be coming here in my heart. In my heart, uh, I came to tell a story. I won't bore you with all the details, but I, I want to tell you the story that I made a vow and I broke it. My wife and I, when we got married, we vowed we would never be in ministry. Two preacher's kids. There was no way we were going to do this. But in 1992, we had a little boy. He's a big boy now. In 1994, we had a girl. Her name is Kristen. She has two twins at home, so she wanted to come, but twins didn't want to come. But in 1995, the spring of 95, Kristen got sick, spinal meningitis, and the doctor said, it's fatal. If she survives, she'll be blind and deaf. I asked the Lord if he would heal her, I would do anything. I'm sparing the details in this service, but the, the point of me telling you this, the Lord reminded me at a point in my life when I had no place to go to church, my children had no place to go, my family had no place to go, my friends had no place to go, and I'm praying about starting a church. And I said, Lord, I don't want to do it. And he reminded me that I had told him that if he would heal my daughter, I would do anything. That's why I'm standing up here today. And before I came here, I had a dream. And in the dream, the man said to me, do not leave those people without telling them about that story. I don't know what you're facing today, but most likely there's somebody in this room and you're facing something. And if you're not facing it today, you will face it in the future. So what you should do, as I am doing today, I am actively preparing for whatever it is that happens today or tomorrow. When I woke up this morning, it came to me about where Jesus said, do you remember those 18 people in the Tower of Siloam? Do you think that those, I was thinking about those 28,000 people over in Syria that have, that have been killed that's as much as they know right now and no telling how many thousands of people went to bed a few days ago and they never woke up and do you think that they did something worse or better than you or I have done but I'm standing here today to tell you it's time Tom would you come it's time to prepare every one of us The Lord healed my daughter.
She's 28 years old. She's back home taking care of the worship today. God has been really good to me. I see the evidence. We like evidence. Well, I can stand here at 59 years old and I can show you the evidence that living faithful matters. Is there someone here today? Is there, stand with me, please. Is there someone here today that something that I have said has prompted you and stirred you to a place to where you say, I need to actively prepare. I don't need to go home today without being ready. Before he sings, bow your head. God, as we stand here together, I ask you in this time as we bow to search our hearts. God, as I have spoken to these precious people, your people, the ones you died for, has there been anyone here today in the sound of our hearing that's not ready to meet you if, if today might be the day that you blow the shofar come get the church I pray that you would move on every heart today as I stand here God everybody pray this with me forgive me of my sins if there's anything in my life help me to know what it is help me to know how to remove it to let it go the past hurts in my life God help me how to know let how to let go of those hurts use me as an instrument of forgiveness your love to create create an atmosphere where people are drawn to you I love you God I ask you for I ask you for your presence to move on this congregation and in this church and do a work that only the Holy Spirit can do. We ask in Jesus' name. Is anyone you would like to walk down here and pray with me today? I invite you as he sings. All my words fall short. I've got nothing to do. Are you ready? Are you ready? How could I express all my gratitude? I could sing these songs as I often do. Every song must sing, but you never do. Come on, church. So I'll throw up my hands and praise you again and again.
Saturday morning about five o'clock and I saw this real tall blind woman and brother Rick and I were here yesterday this real tall blonde woman walked by and I couldn't see her face and then I walked in and she was up there in the booth and I said there's the woman in my dream and the Lord revealed in my dream that she wishes that she had always been in the church she wishes her life had always been like this. So she and I had a talk. But there's two more people in this church. One is a businessman. You've been very successful in business. Listen, I drove six hours to tell you this. And you have a desire in your life to be successful in the kingdom. And if you're here, I would like for you to walk up here. There's also an expectant mother in this church. She's expecting. There's a lady that's expecting in this church. Amen. I would like to pray for her. If, if 
you're here. Is, is anybody here like that? Walk, walk down here. Here she comes. Who are you? Are you the man? All right. Any other successful? But you, you could join. I don't care if there's 10 expectant mothers in here. God wants to use you for the kingdom. Brother Rick, would you come and stand with him? so bless me there's a woman in the Bible she loved the man of God so she goes to her husband and she says hey do you think we could build a room on our house for him so when he comes by he could he could have a bed and a chair, and maybe we could put a candle in there so he could rest. One day, as the prophet is sitting in there, he asks his servant, he says, what does that woman need? The servant said, I see she has no children. And he looks at these and call her in here. I'm talking about faith. We have played with faith like it wasn't real. Faith is the substance. If you ever make this connection, he said, woman, a year from now, you're going to have a child. She said, don't you play with me, preacher. You have blessed me. So the desires of your heart, you just wait on them. Patiently. Patiently. It's coming. Sir, we lay our hands on you today. God thought so much of you that he would prompt me in a dream. So that God would use you, so that God would, you would know God knows your heart. And you just needed somebody to drive by and say, God sees your prayer. He hears the cries of your heart. God, I pray that you prepare him today. From the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Yes. That his life would be so wound up in you that it would prosper when he speaks. It would be as you spoke. Use him for the sake of your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Mother, what's your name, sugar? What's your name? Melissa. Melissa. Everybody stretch your hands up here toward Melissa. You are loved, Melissa. 
loved. I love you. That's not all that great. But God loves you so much that he showed me an expectant mother in this church. Do you receive that? Do you receive it? Everybody stretch your hands up here for this mother. Do you know if this is a boy or a girl? It's a girl. Woo! Hallelujah. I love girls. <laughs> I got three girls. I got a daughter, but I got three granddaughters. I got two boys. They're great, too. I'm not taking away from that. What's her name going to be? Tell me that and where I can know it. Norma? Marcet. Norma. Did you know John the Baptist received the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb? Did you know that, Brother Rick? What does that tell you? Don't limit God, sister. I don't know what's going on in your life unless the Lord tells me, but I'm going to tell you this. Don't limit God because there's something inside of you with kingdom purpose today for yes. God would not have prompted me in a dream to ask for the expectant mother you say that's coincidence I call it providence that you came to church today hallelujah so you and I could meet so God could let you know how special you are to him so stretch your hands out to her tonight today and sing Tom so I throw up my hands Father. praise you again and again Jesus it's all oh, that I Jesus have is
like this so much. I've got nothing new. What, what am I going to preach this new? How could I express? How thankful I am. Oh, my gratitude. I could sing these songs. Yes. As I song must end Come on when you never do What do I do? So I'll throw up my hands praise you again and again Cause all that I have is a hallelujah Hallelujah And I for a heart singing hallelujah hallelujah pray with me I love you Jesus I've got one response I've got just one move I give myself with my arms stretched wide knows what we have need of. Yes. I was talking to Mother Steve yesterday and I said, you know, I said in my spirit, I just keep feeling this, that we are so close to, and, and I told you last week, I said, we've already entered into it, but, but there is an intensity that is, that God is bringing and I feel it in my spirit. And I keep praying. I said, and I was telling Steve, I said, I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss this. You know, when I was a kid, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer used to come on once a year. That was, you didn't have DVR or DVD, any of that. You, you had a TV guide and, and you scheduled. And my dad had me in town and he wasn't all that interested in Rudolph. And I was trying to get back. I don't want to miss this and so I was I was trying to schedule my life around making sure I didn't miss Rudolph I'm telling you <laughs> that he has a schedule that he's going to keep and we need to adjust our life so we don't miss what he's doing amen Come on, give him a hand clap of praise in here. 
Turn, turn, I want you to grab somebody by the hand. Just turn around, grab somebody by the hand, look them right in the eye. Look them, grab it. Don't stick your hand in an eye, but just grab a hand, look them in the eye. And as you look in their eye, I want you to say this with me. There's nothing I'm doing that's so important that I won't change it for him. Amen. Come on, give me a hand clap of praise. God bless you in here today. God's got plans for your life. Just make sure that you're pursuing him with everything you've got. Uh, let me just say this, and I'm going to let you go. Steve and uh, Kelly's testimony, look, he gave just, in the first service, he, he went into this. You don't want to miss this. The broadcast is going to be on tomorrow that he goes into depth of what God did in that hospital room and, and what happened surrounding that story with their little girl. Don't miss that. Make sure you turn, tune in tomorrow and watch that broadcast. We love you all. God bless you. Oh, broadcast is at 6 o'clock. That's Central Standard Time. Okay. All right. Ladies, don't forget your roses in the lobby. They'll be on the uh, welcome desk there. Make sure to pick out a rose. You're special. You are cherished by God and by us. We love you. God bless you all. Facing defeat, oh Lord.